0: Thank you for allowing me the privilege to preach to you. It's an honor every time I stand here uh, to be able to proclaim the word of God. And I realize that uh, it's only by God's grace that I have the privilege. And I'm thankful to God for it. And I'm learning every day uh, to embrace every opportunity that God gives me. And I'm thankful at my age that I'm learning that now. Because I don't want to get to the end of my life and look back and uh, have missed so much. Uh, Brother Glenn been preaching on the judgments and uh, early in the week before they went to Israel, I would come in his office on Monday and Tuesday and I'd been searching the scripture study uh, and, and I would run across verses just uh, pointing me to the judgment and I'd go in there and I'd share that verse with him and then I'd come back on Tuesday and share that verse with him and uh, he said, man, you're under conviction about this judgment, ain't I? I said, well, you know, I'm going to stand before God and you're going to stand before God, we're going to stand before God, we know that, we talk about it, but man, uh, that, that truth just sometimes, it just slaps you in the face. And uh, I shared uh, this morning with uh, Brother Travis' Sunday school class, Deuteronomy 16, uh, verses 16 and 17, talking about the feasts. Um, there are three appointed times that the men of Israel would gather uh, in Jerusalem. Uh, the scripture there in verse 17, it says this, speaking of those times that appearing before the Lord, uh, that we shall not appear empty-handed. I don't want to appear empty-handed before God. And I don't want you to either. And I know our pastor doesn't want that for us. And so uh, I pray that will be a burden on your heart. Uh, but tonight, 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse number 21. Verse 21, we just sang about it. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. That we might become The righteousness of God in him. Let me read it to you one more time. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you For this night, God, we thank you for the privilege of being in your house. God, I thank you for, God, the the worship, the spirit of worship that was in this room. uh, God, just a few moments ago, and God, as we enter into the time where we'll worship, uh, God, not only in spirit, but in truth, the word of God is truth. I pray that in these moments, that God, that spirit of worship will just continue. And that God, we will look into your word, and God, we will see God, just how good, how wonderful, how amazing your grace really is. And God, that we'll uh, find a way tonight to, uh, God, allow ourselves to be transformed into the image of Christ. God, will take the word of God and we'll apply it to our lives so that we might be more like you. Now, God, I pray if there's one here tonight who's lost, God, they've never been saved. God, I ask tonight that God, the Spirit of God, would so speak to their heart that, God, they would have ears to hear, God, they would have eyes to see, and God, the courage to change tonight for the glory of God. Lord, this thing's all about you. It's not about us at all. It's all about your glory. You just allow us to get in on it. And so, God, we thank you for it. God, we pray you have your way now in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight, I want to talk to you on this subject, Black Friday. Black Friday. Black Friday. Most folks recognize Black Friday as the Friday after Thanksgiving, when they'll go out all hours of the night, spend boatloads of money, and fight even the devil himself if he were to jump in front of them in their last uh, on the, for, to get the last item on the shopping list. You know what I'm talking about? Hey, man, I, uh, did you know that Tennessee is number two on the United States Black Friday Fight Night list? <laughs> I, that's true. One blogger reported that it's on the internet. It's got to be true. I mean, I. Uh, only to be passed up by Arkansas. Anybody from Arkansas here tonight? Listen, I've seen a video of individuals in Walmart on Black Friday fighting over uh, some certain item on their list. Man, it was chaos. It was crazy. In fact, I'm not sure some of you wasn't in that video. Amber, was you in that video? I better quit calling names up here. i get in trouble. But that's not the Black Friday I want to talk to you about tonight. I want to talk to you about uh, the first real Black Friday this world's ever known. We call it Good Friday. But it certainly was not good for our Lord Jesus. It was the day when the God of glory turned the switch off on the sun in the middle of the day for a period of three hours. Matthew records there from the sixth hour to the ninth hour, uh, what we believe to be 12 noon to 3 p.m., uh, that the God the Father turned the lights out on the sun in the middle of the day, the creator of the cosmos, the one who stokes the uh, uncountable nuclear fires uh, of uncountable stars. Rather, He he is the one that turned the switch off on the sun, masked the moon, and hid the heavenly bodies for a period of three hours, so much so that those that were there present as the Lord hung on the cross of Calvary, they could not look upon Him. Complete darkness over all the land, the Bible. Bible says. Can you see there in your mind one moment you see Jesus hanging on the cross and then in the next moment the Lord turning the lights out. A time so dreadful, so dirty, so horrifying, so heavy that God the Father wouldn't even look upon His own Son. You say, what in the world was going on in that moment? Was it in that moment that the, uh, the darkness of the devil had quenched the light of the world? Had the, had the great shepherd of the sheep been overcome by the wicked wolf who is the devil? Oh no, friend. Not at all. In that moment is where we see 2 Corinthians 5.21 coming to life. It's in that moment where we see he who knew no sin becoming sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. may I... I've, I've searched this verse, I've, I've, I've studied this verse for years, and it's one of those verses I just cannot seem to wrap my mind all the way around. I cannot understand how Jesus, who was perfect, became sin for me. Do you understand what I'm saying? And tonight I want to take us on a tour of that verse and, and just catch a glimpse of the goodness of God in that one verse. In that one verse right there. Do you realize that before that verse could ever be written... There had to be a great displacement in the Lord's eternal life. He had to come where we are so that we might go where He is. One day over 2,000 years ago, the Lord Jesus received the word from His Father uh, that He would come into this world. In my mind, I see Him somehow uh, getting up off His throne, stepping down that street of gold, walking by the fountain that flows from His throne. As He walks down that street out through one of those pearly gates, all the angels standing at attention by His side. Somehow, some way, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, God supernaturally shrinking Him into the lowest form of humanity, that being the seed of the Father, placing Him into the virgin womb. It was not perverted. It was not per- pornographic. It was perfect, pure, powerful, and promised. Isaiah seven fourteen says, Behold, the virgin shall bear a son, and we shall call his name Emmanuel. Before Jesus, before that verse could ever be written, a supernatural displacement had to take place in the Lord Jesus' eternal life. So we see a great displacement. But notice, secondly, there is a great desire in that verse. A great desire in that verse. For He made Him who knew no sin. Jesus knew no sin. He absolutely knew no sin. In those few words in our English language, we see both the perseverance and the purity of Jesus Christ. The Scripture says the Lord Jesus was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. And still the Scripture says He was without sin. He knew everything that we ever faced, but yet He never succumbed to a single thing. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't it amazing? Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh, had one burning desire upon His heavenly heart, that is to... Please, the Father. He was perfectly pure from beginning to end. The Bible says he knew no sin. He knew no sin. The complete picture of God in the flesh. Uh, Paul said, in Him all the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in bodily form. Colossians 1.15 uh, says that Jesus is the very image of the invisible God. John 1.14, John said that He was the, the Word that became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full, full of grace and truth. Man, when we see Jesus, we realize that even in His wrath, He was always righteous. Even in in all of His speech, it was never sinful. His deeds knew no deceit. His commitment was complete. He said in Matthew 5, 17, Think not, I came to destroy the law. I didn't come to destroy it. I came to fulfill it. And He did. Every jot, every tittle, everything in the middle, Jesus did it all. He was completely perfect. Nothing did He leave undone. He had one Desire to please the Father. Oh, that the church of the living God would have one desire tonight to please the Father. Friend, when we go out into the world, we could make a difference more than what we're doing today if we'd simply get one desire pleasing the Father. To please the Father. But notice thirdly, the defilement in that verse. The defilement in that verse. For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin. Man, there's so much much power in that one verse right there. So much truth. When you think about the defilement in that verse, you can't help but see the perfect purity, the one who knew no sin, the one who fulfilled every jot, every tittle of the law, the one who was absolutely perfect, his perfect purity being defiled by the dirty deeds of humanity. That which is disgusting and dirty, and repulsive before God, being placed upon the Son of God. Jesus never said a sinful word, never made a sneering remark, but yet in that moment as He hung upon the cross, He is, he is giving an account for every idle word that has proceeded out of the mouth of man. In that moment, that the the perfect purity, the one who never knew an immoral relationship. In that moment, he, as the stars seemed to burn out, friend, he has had every immoral act, every sexual sin, every lewd look, every lust filled thought, man, every every twisted, perverted thing pressed upon his shoulders. In that moment, can I can't grasp that. I just can't do it. I'm gonna get rid of this thing because I'm finna get stirred up. It don't fit. We'll make it through it. I promise. Y'all don't get it. We'll just throw that down there. Think about that. The perfect purity of Jesus Christ. Man, we think about a baby. I see a baby and it's in its birth. Man, just beautiful purity. Do you know that baby can only have the purity that God allows it to have? As precious as that baby is it cannot touch how precious Jesus was in his purity. The most wonderful person a man could ever meet and yet in that moment as he hung on the cross the perversion, perversion of every pedophile the rage of every rapist the the sin of every sodomite placed upon the back of the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, we don't like to think about that, do we? Because we stand against the homosexual. We stand against the rapist. We stand against the pedophile. But yet in that moment, the Lord Jesus bore the sin, the filth of the ages. And friend, it's only by God's grace tonight that any of us can become a child of God. In those last moments of a life lived in perfect purity, the Lord Jesus Christ bore in His body the filth of humanity. For he became sin who knew no sin. You see the defilement in that verse? Notice the death in that verse. The death in that verse. For the wages of sin is death. Uh, you see the Lord Jesus as he who knew no sin was made to be sin. He too now being sin for us is subject to the penalty of sin. Death. Death. For the wages of sin is death. As Jesus bore our sin debt, he had to die. And so here's the picture. The one who never did a single thing uh, to invoke the inescapable consequence of sin is now, has now received that which is dirty and disgusting before God upon his body, and, and it's placed upon him. And now the Lord Jesus experiences in a moment of time what the lost and damned will experience forever complete separation from God. You say, I don't believe that. What did he say as he hung there suspended between heaven and earth? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? In those moments, as the Lord hung on the cross, he is experiencing what the lost man will experience for all of eternity. Friend, listen to me. If you're lost tonight, if you've run out on Jesus, and you don't want to hear what Jesus has to say to you, you better hear him calling you tonight. You better hear him wooing you unto himself. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. And friend, we're lifting him up tonight. We're showing you by the power of God what he wants to do in your life. You're here tonight and you sit, God speak to you. Friend, dying and going to hell and experiencing the torment of the flames and demonic activity, friend, that won't be the worst thing. The worst thing will be there without ever another opportunity to experience the presence of God. Don't step out into eternity without Christ tonight. The picture there, hanging on the tree, the one who breathed the breath of life into Adam now has no breath in his lungs. The one who places the blood in our bodies has now poured out his own. Those eyes that saw no sin now see no more. The light of the world no longer shines. Our Lord is dead. It's a great death in that verse. It's a great death in that verse. In my mind, I see him there hanging on the cross, the sinless blood of God running down the old rugged tree. Crowd there standing on, looking in wonder and amazement. Roman soldier standing by after he breathes his last. Surely this was the Son of God. It's a great death in that verse notice the direction in that verse the direction in that verse for he made him who knew no sin he that's the father made him that's the Lord Jesus who knew no sin to be sin for us now don't get the notion that the Lord Jesus didn't agree to it Jesus said in Matthew ten seventeen therefore my father loves me Because I laid down my life That I might take it again But it is there in that verse In those words That we see the complete and total surrender Of the Son To the will of the Father It was God who was doing all of this The Father who was orchestrating All of this 1 John 4, 14 It is the Father who sent the Son To be the Savior of the world John 3 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. 2 Peter 3 9, for it is God who is not slack, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish. It is 1 Timothy 2 4 that says, it is God who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Friend, it was the direction of God that sent Jesus into this world. And that allows the sinless, precious, spotless lamb to become sin for us. Notice the destiny in that verse. Uh, See, there's a great destiny in that verse. 1 Peter 1, verse number 19 and 20 talks about that. That the Lord Jesus was foreordained before the very foundation of the world uh, and he was manifest in these last times for you, uh, speaking of those there, that Peter was writing to, but do you understand tonight that the plan that was put in motion before the world was put on its axis was brought to fruition at Calvary. Right. Man, that blows me away. How in the world? I can't think like that. So notice the depth in that verse. The depth in that verse. Only God could come up with a plan like that. Romans 11:33 the apostle Paul said oh the depth of the riches uh, both of the wisdom and knowledge of god how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, the prophet, speaking on behalf of the Lord, said, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Friend, only God could come up with a plan like that. Oh, the grace of God, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span. At Calvary. What an amazing truth about the depth of the wisdom of God. But notice the deliverance in that verse. Friend, there's great victory. Great victory in that verse. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. For us. God did that for us. I know you know, and I know you had the same thing I had, but we had, we all had a debt we could not pay. And the Lord Jesus paid a debt he did not owe. We, we acknowledge that, we realize that. But friend, when you consider the extent of your own personal deliverance, oh friend, you see, that, I honestly believe sometimes we forget that. And I'm thankful tonight that the Lord Jesus, uh, when I come to faith in Christ, He takes my sin, casts it behind His back, places it on the bottom of the sea, separates far as east is from the west. I get that and I'm grateful for it. Glory to God. He chooses not to remember my sin. When I stand in front of Him, it's just as if I've never sinned because I'm justified. Praise the Lord. But let me say this to you. We don't need to forget where we come from. Friend, I had a debt I couldn't pay. And Jesus paid a debt he did not owe. You and I, day after day, because of our sin, before we came to Jesus Christ, because of our sin, we were stacking up debt day after day after day. Minute by minute, we were stacking up sin debt. Just a few minutes after you reached the age of understanding, you already realized that you had achieved for yourself a boatload of debt that you had no way to ever pay back. Somebody say amen. Amen. Listen, I understood that when I I come to uh, the age of understanding, I don't know what that is for you, but I know what it was for me. And when I realized that I'd already stepped out way too far, I knew I'd messed up. I'd messed up, man. And I I was in great need of something that I could not provide for myself. Every little white lie was earning a greater wage in eternity for me. Every time my hormones kicked in as a teenager, hey, uh, just another debt, just another debt. Every time I I had a lust-filled look, there was something more growing that I I could not pay for myself. And before I knew it, I could look back and see that I had a sin debt that was higher than America's national debt you ain't no different we all had that sin debt that we could not pay and yet the grace of God stepped into my life and he stepped into your life Ephesians 2 8 and 9 we quote it all the time for by grace are you saved through faith How wonderful tonight to know that my works have absolutely nothing to do with my salvation. Friend, if you could work for it, you could work to lose it. Grace stepped into my life. Grace stepped into your life. The Holy Ghost of God began to work on the inside of you, convincing you and convicting you, overwhelming conviction of your sin set in at some point in your life and you could hear God speak to you, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Let me ask you something. You're in the room tonight. You're lost. You've never received Christ. Has there ever been a time when God spoke to your heart, straight into your heart, man, convicting you of the fact that you were a sinner? Man, God does that. That's absolutely the way he operates. He doesn't deal with you intellectually, he deals with you internally, spiritually, right there, right in the heart. You see, there's some things that I can know, but there's some things that I will not apply until I grab them right here. And when I grab a hold of them right there and I accept them and embrace them, that's when they begin to make a change in who I am. That's how the Lord operates, that's how he operates. He convicts you of sin, and listen to me. We're not saved by feeling, but when he convicts you of sin, you feel it. Amen. You do. Yeah. Say what you feel like. Feels like I'm dirty. Feels like I need to go take a bath somewhere. I feel conviction, but he also convicts you of righteousness. That's what. Jesus talked about there in John 16. He convicts you of sin, of righteousness. You feel it. You're dirty. You know it. Judgment. You deserve it. As all that takes place in your mind and in your heart, somehow you can see in the distance there, Calvary, the Lord Jesus bearing the cross for all of humanity. You realize for the very first time should have been you, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God dying for the sins of the world. And there, in that moment, you see Him breathe His last and they take His body and place it in the tomb. Three days He rested. But then on the third day, you hear those words. Why seek ye the living among the dead? He's not here, He is risen. Friend, in those moments, that's when faith that's when faith is it's moving. Something's happening. Something's changing. There's a transition. Change, a new creation is being birthed. Do you understand? Being born again. In those moments when you realize the faith, that it, when you have faith that Christ has been raised from the dead, you understand you are a sinner and there's a kingdom that, want, that God wants you to enter in but you cannot go like you are. Repentance is necessary. And repentance and faith meet one another and kiss and conversion takes place. In those moments, you've been birthed into the kingdom of God. I don't know about you, but if I were here tonight and I were lost and I could sense the Spirit of God dealing with my heart, Friend, can I tell you what will take place in a moment of faith? Deliverance. Great victory. Great victory. You see, when you read that verse, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, when you place faith in Christ, when you do that, you can remove us and put me right there. That's what you can do. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for me. (laughs) that I might become the righteousness of God in him. And so here's what I say to you tonight. Lost or struggling with salvation, you you, you just don't know, friend, let me tell you what to do. Just bow the knee of your heart before a holy God recognizing that you are a sinner in need of only what Christ can give and in that moment if you'll pray with a repentant heart to receive Jesus Christ, friend, that burden that you're carrying will be lifted. That stain sin has left will be cleansed. The shame you once felt because of sin will become peace and that stain that sin has left will come clean. The sweet relief of surrender will flood over you, you crimson-colored soul. That's what Isaiah 118 talks about. Man, I remember what that was like. I walked as a teenager. and I lived like the devil. I didn't care. It was all about me. It was all about me. I was lost. The home I was raised in didn't go to church. My family didn't, didn't care much about God. My mom was the only one who took me to church whenever I went. And I'd made a profession of faith as a teenage boy. As a young, young boy, not a teenager, rather nine years old, I remember it. But I was lost. And I lived my life going to bed every night, wondering if I'd go to heaven. Burdened because I knew my sin had defiled me. I knew I wasn't right with God. I knew I wasn't right with God, but I'd go back. I I prayed one time. I prayed one time to be saved. Let me tell you something. If you're depending on a one-time prayer to save you, you're in bad need tonight. Now, don't get me wrong what I'm saying right here. It's got to start somewhere. But if all you're doing is living on a prayer, one time, and there ain't ever been no life change in your life, then why don't you get serious with God tonight? Give your heart to Jesus. That's what He wants. He wants your heart. That's what He wants. So in a moment of time, though praying a thousand times, this time something could be different for you. Something could be different for you if in that moment you would simply bow your heart before the Lord Jesus and receive what He wants to do in your life. You know, We think about that deliverance, the deliverance that comes through Jesus Christ. Acts 4.12 says there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There's only one name. Salvation is not found in any other. I got to thinking about that picture. The name of Jesus. The matchless name of Jesus. You call on other names. You call on whoever you want to. This world calls on Muhammad, Buddha, Buddha, President Obama just give me Jesus no other name for that name is the name above all names his is the name that when the sin sick sinner cries out the Lord when they bow their heart and they cry out in the name of Jesus, that is the very moment that the affection of God flows forth from the throne in heaven and embraces you as a son. To think about that wonderful truth, the God of glory, His affection flowing forth and wrapping His arms around us. You say, how is that possible? How is it possible for me to be embraced by God, though I'm a sinner? Here's how it's possible. The Lord Jesus in Matthew 5 said, My Father in heaven is perfect. His standard is perfect. Alone, I cannot come before God. In my my flesh, I cannot come before God. I am sinful, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God is perfect. My Father in heaven is perfect. Man is sinful. We're all sinners. But yet in the moment when Jesus, who became sin, who knew no sin, that in that moment, when God looks at me as I embrace His Son, He embraces me. And He gives me the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And so here's the deliverance. Are you ready for it? Romans 8:38. You say, how far can I be delivered? Paul told us in Romans 8 that uh, uh, he said, I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And so here's the picture. Here's the picture in my mind. Uh, when the Lord Jesus stretched His arms out wide on Calvary, He showed us that His love could cover the width of sin. When they placed His body in the grave, He showed us His love could cover the depth of sin. When He ascended into the heavens, He showed us His love could cover the height of sin. And friend, when He comes again, He'll show us His love Destroyed sin forever. Forever. There'll be no more sin sin, who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. I want to invite you tonight, if you're lost, to take Christ at His Word. To take God at His Word tonight. He just told you that He sacrificed His Son so that you could be forgiven and saved. He has just told us That he was willing to allow his son to take your place. He took his precious, only begotten, sinless son and he put him in the position that you and I deserve. And he offers us a trade. He takes my sinfulness and gives me his righteousness. We'd be a fool to not take Christ at his word